1: Terror for residents of a Chilliwack apartment block. They had no idea anyone was still up there. Several narrowly escape a fatal fire that leaves many homeless. The threat of wildfire in urban environments. The challenge for firefighters as the latest heat wave worsens. And a shocking attack on a SkyTrain attendant. A repeat offender charged and how we were warned about him a year ago.
2: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at six.
1: Good evening, and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. A chaotic, dramatic scene in Chilliwack early this morning, where a deadly fire stranded some residents on their balconies. One person has died, and dozens of others are displaced. Emily Lazatin is live in Chilliwack, and Emily, neighbors uh, really rallied to help here. Otherwise, this could have been a lot worse.
3: Absolutely, Chris. Uh, Neighbours rallied here together. We heard stories of people frantically uh, trying to come together and knock on doors on the first and the second level of this building. While smoke was filling up the building, we heard from a man who also says his uh, buddy tried to get onto the third floor, but by that time it wasn't safe to do so. We heard from a woman who says uh, a neighbour was trying to save his neighbouring resident but couldn't get into the door because there was a chain. And a story of a neighbour just right across the street from me where he was giving water uh, to crying children but as you said there Chris tragically one person has died in this fire.
4: They freaked out they had no idea anyone was still up there that's why they got the ladder so damn quick.
3: Fire crews sparing no time with lives on the line at this apartment fire in Chilliwack near the 8100 block of Hazel Street. Flames tore through the 50 unit building just after 1 a.m. Thursday.
5: It went up like a firecracker it was crazy.
3: When crews arrived, the flames had already erupted into the sky, the smoke billowing from the roof. Just below, multiple residents trapped on their balconies.
6: Crews quickly deployed ground ladders and rescued um, occupants from those balconies. Then they established a water supply and set up a defensive fire attack.
1: Look at the patio, it's warping from the heat.
3: On the ground, harrowing stories of people running into the building desperate to help their neighbors.
7: Two of them went into the building and they went through the first and second floor and they started pounding on people's doors to get them out of the building. And then they couldn't get to the third floor because the smoke was too thick.
5: We were expecting that people are sleeping. So we were just trying to do as much as we can just to help them.
3: With flames and smoke filling the building, those life saving efforts came too late. For one, an act of heroism ending in tragedy. He found that the chain was on the door and he couldn't get through so he busted through and a a wall of
5: smoke hit him and he said the flames were about four feet off the floor. He said I tried to get into him. He said I couldn't, he said I had to leave.
3: With the fire holding help back, there are reports the person jumped from a balcony but that hasn't been confirmed by fire officials. He said
5: he just disappeared. He didn't know where he went, he didn't know anything. He said he just, he was gone.
3: Firefighters were able to save pets and stop the blaze from spreading to nearby buildings as residents watched from the street in disbelief.
6: They were amazing. They did a fantastic job. They're a very dedicated group of men and women and today they saved a lot of lives.
3: Now, we don't have the official number of people evacuated. We do know this was a uh, 50-unit building. All evacuees have been sent to an evacuation centre. As for the cause of this fire, Chris, it is still under investigation. Uh, Investigators aren't actually allowed to go in until engineers um, give the green light because this building is not uh, structurally safe uh, as of right now. As well, just by looking at the building behind us and the roof here, it's clear that uh, some people won't have a home to go back to. Back to you.
1: Got a feel for them. All right, Emily, thanks very much. That's Emily lazaton reporting live from Chilliwack for us tonight. The wildfire risk has been obvious for weeks now with the early explosive start to the season and the devastating loss of the village of Lytton. Now the urgency to stay vigilant has spread to urban centers as well, with many municipalities and districts saying the risk of a brush fire in city parks is also extreme. Kylie Stanton reports
7: oh it's a potentially deadly combination one cigarette dry grass and just a little bit of time
8: within 30 seconds it was taking off so
7: the dashwood fire department tweeting out this video of the controlled test as a warning ahead of what's shaping up to be another dry and hot long weekend in bc
8: just showcases how easy it is for fires to start.
7: There have been more than 1,000 fires across the province this year, burning more than 450,000 hectares. Currently, 3,400 properties are on evacuation order, with another 18,000 on alert. But compare that to the 10-year average, where only 168 fires would have started by this point, burning just 105,000 hectares wildfire service calling it unprecedented and is reminding everyone to be vigilant. A lot of the fire behavior is unlike what we've seen before. We are asking people to be very cautious no matter what activities they're doing. And it's not just in the back country. Urban areas are also at risk. I think someone set that fire. This brush fire broke out Wednesday something. evening at Sunset Beach. What could have quickly little... spread had crews not been able to get ahead of it. Stanley Park, the forest fire danger risk is now extreme. The Vancouver Fire Department saying there are no plans to close it at this point. Instead, it's counting on the public to do their part. No smoking, no fires. But others, in especially vulnerable areas, have to be a little more proactive. Boy. On Vancouver Island, a resource group is getting the word out and creating a plan to house animals and livestock in case of a wildfire. Be
9: prepared with water, with food, uh, with uh, a name on your horses or name on, on your sheep if, if you had to, in fact, let them go. We're hoping to have a place where they can muster.
7: Here in Dashwood, where it's approaching 50 days without rain, members of the volunteer department won't be taking any chances has a crew on paid standby surveying the area through the weekend it's all it takes is a spark kylie stanton global news
1: good warning there for sure senior meteorologist christy gordon joins us now and christy we have been talking about this approaching heat wave just like the last one for several days now uh it really arrived and you can feel Mm -hmm. the difference
10: Absolutely. It's no wonder, actually, Chris, a number of areas have been upgraded now to a heat warning and added to heat warnings. Let's have a look at it. It now includes inland sections of the north coast and all the way across the south. So including the Okanagan Valley, Boundary and Kootenai region and much of the south coast, as you can see here. If you know anyone that may be alone in any of those regions that could be vulnerable to the heat, make sure you're checking on them. Remind them that a bath is a great way to really cool your core temperature. Of course, a cold bath. These are the temperatures tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the peak of the heat. Saturday will be very hot as well, but here's a look. 30 to 35 across Metro Vancouver, and at night we may only drop down to 18 degrees.
1: Yeah, not cool enough overnight. Thanks very much for that, Christy. We'll check in a little later. A ruptured gas line sent flames high into the air this morning in South Surrey. It all happened just before 9 o'clock. Near the intersection of 32nd Avenue and 193rd Street, Fortis, B.C. says an excavator hit the line, causing the massive fire. Fire crews had to work quickly to prevent the flames from spreading. Fortis also sent two crews to the scene to shut off the gas and bring the situation under control. Cooling centers have been opened, and the warnings have been posted to look out for those vulnerable to the current heat wave gripping parts of B.C., Governments and medical officials are trying to learn from last month's record-breaking heat dome that we now know claim more than 500 lives. Nitu Garcha reports.
11: We really need to pay attention to weather forecasting and we really need to prepare in advance. As climate change experts sound the alarm over global warming, BC municipalities are preparing for another week of dangerously high temperatures, a month after the record shattering heat dome. We have vulnerable people often living alone, um, don't realize the, the risk that they're in. And now the coroner service is confirming just how deadly it was. We just have never seen that number of fatalities in this province related to heat. In fact, we've rarely seen fatalities related to heat in this province. She says 570 of the 815 deaths, or 70%, have been deemed heat-related. Of those, 79% were people aged 65 and older. 40% were 80 and older. It's just hard to wrap your head around that many people dying in this province in one week. Up to 6,000 more suffered heat-related injuries according to the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment. There are an estimated 10 injuries, 10 heat-related injuries for every death that occur. You can get injuries to your heart, you can get an injury to your liver. Essentially your internal organs start to cook in in high heat. And they're calling on the province to investigate those injuries and track them. So I think a combination of Getting physicians to to code heat injury into our medical system and also better public education when heat waves are coming are essential. And one way to do that could be through the province's emergency alert system.
8: We really want to make sure we get it right and uh, balance the amount of notifications and really ensure that we don't create... Um, let's say, public apathy with with over-notifying. So uh, we we know it's important.
11: While Ecom is already warning people to be prepared for high call volumes and lengthy waits for emergency response, the BC Coroner Service is also investigating how many of those people died while waiting for help. Uh Nitu Garcia,
1: Global News. BC's notorious anti-vaxxer goes to court. I expect to walk out of there. What Mac Parhar says about the way he's being treated next on the News Hour. Surveillance cameras capture a crime in progress on the Granville Strip. What happened that has police calling for witnesses? Coming up later. And nervous about getting the jab? This will make you feel better. The dog bringing comfort to the COVID clinic. A little later on the News Hour as well. Right now, though, a notorious Metro Vancouver COVID denier. And conspiracy theorist appeared in a new Westminster courtroom today for the first day of his trial for repeatedly breaking quarantine rules. As Paul Johnson reports, Mac Parhar says his battle has cost him personally, but he's still defiant.
0: I didn't harm anybody. Right. There's no proof I harmed anybody. There's no proof I've been sick. And yet they want to make an example out of me.
2: That was Mac Parhar heading in for the beginning of his trial Thursday morning at the New Westminster Courthouse. Parhar is among only a small handful of Canadians whose alleged defiance of public health orders has actually landed him before a judge. Within the movement that's openly objected to the public health orders and challenged the generally accepted understanding of what COVID-19 is, Parhar has been a standout from making headlines for allegedly failing to cooperate with health orders at his yoga studio in Delta to his rogue videography in Royal Columbian Hospital, where he was apparently trying to demonstrate that the pandemic is a hoax. Take
0: the off,
2: fake. But what's gotten him in the most serious trouble is his alleged violation of the federal Quarantine Act last fall. After flying into YVR from a flat-earth convention in the U.S., the Crown says he broke the law by refusing to quarantine and then blatantly advertised that in a series of public appearances and YouTube videos. It's not really quarantine, it's self-imprisonment, right? Despite what appears to be overwhelmingly powerful evidence against him, Parhar is fighting the charges, representing himself and frequently getting admonished by the judge... Barhar told Global News Thursday he's finding the trial difficult. I'm not as
0: prepared because I, I honestly thought because of that reason there would be an adjournment. I was hoping for uh, dismissal but uh, and then to go in um, and I, I couldn't sleep last night. You know, a lot of anxiety and the hot weather. So I'm uh, kind of sleep deprived and uh, trying to uh, fight
6: for my freedom.
1: And when it comes to COVID-19 in our province, the interior continues to drive transmission. For the first time since June 5th, we have more than 200 new cases, 204 to be precise, with more than half of those cases in the interior. We have 1,055 active cases, 51 people in hospital, and 20 in ICU. Thankfully, no new deaths today, and we finally hit 81% of those 12 and older with their first vaccination, just over 64% who've received both doses. There are more calls for the BC government to make COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory for frontline workers in long-term care homes, where by far most of the COVID casualties have occurred. Critics are saying the proposed vaccinate or mask policy simply isn't good enough. Richard Zussman reports.
6: I have very little patience for people who aren't immunized in healthcare. It's the comment getting a lot of attention. As COVID-19 cases pick up in BC, it's those with loved ones in long-term care hoping to see that lack of patience turn into action.
0: If there's no patience for it, there's a simple fix. Make it mandatory to be vaccinated against COVID-19 if you work uh, at
6: the patient level.
7: We've heard there's been a couple of outbreaks in different care homes and that's the fear that the doors will get locked again.
6: Calls are growing to require mandatory vaccines for health care workers, be it in care homes or other settings. This is why, throughout the pandemic, there have been 332 outbreaks in long-term care, 3,600 COVID cases in residents, 2,280 in staff. Of those, 1,033 residents died and zero staff. Studies are showing some concerning trends around the highly effective vaccines.
7: The evidence is mounting that the um, protection is not as strong in frail elderly people. It's unclear how many health care workers
6: have been vaccinated, but it's not 100%. It is higher, though, than the general population. The province has not ruled out mandatory vaccines for health care workers.
7: We're in the process of, of working with HEABC, with the unions, um, and with healthcare workers themselves to make sure that we have uh, policies in place that uh, very uh, that are um, that require immunization. And the province has promised these changes, requiring
6: a posting at the percentage of vaccinated staff requiring masking and PPE for those who choose not to be vaccinated, and increasing rapid testing. If
7: uh, people are not able to be immunized, that we have other measures in place to ensure that we're doing everything we can to protect those most vulnerable people. Right now,
0: you know, we simply don't have access to the information about who's vaccinated and who is not.
6: The goal is to have them in place by fall when respiratory season could bring in a whole new group of challenges. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Up next, the attack police knew was coming. That SkyTrain attendant fought back as the man tried to pull her to the ground. How it's not the first time this violent offender has been busted. And what it's like to lose everything in a wildfire from those living through it in the Okanagan. A high-risk sexual predator is back in custody after a SkyTrain attendant was attacked. She managed to fight the suspect off and call for help. It happened Sunday morning at Braid Station in New Westminster. Police say a man followed the employee to a crew room. As she opened the door, he forced his way in, punching her and shoving her to the ground. The attendant fought back, even as her attacker kept on punching, pulling her hair, and trying to get her on the ground. She was eventually
8: able to open the crew room door as he continued to try to pull her back in before she was finally able to free herself. Metro Vancouver Transit Police were on scene within minutes and arrested the suspect as he attempted to leave the SkyTrain station. Transit Police want to commend the SkyTrain attendant for her courage and bravery. Not only was she able to fight off this attacker, but she was also simultaneously able to use her radio effectively which allowed for a quick police response.
1: 29-year-old Howard Geddes Skelding faces a host of charges. He's been the subject of multiple public warnings, including one last August when Vancouver police described him as a dangerous sex offender who poses a high risk to re-offend. He remains in custody for the moment. Police in White Rock say an elderly man has been arrested for trying to grope a girl he didn't know. The assault happened at Allen Hogg Rotary Park. RCMP say the elderly man tried to befriend the girl Monday afternoon. He then proceeded to grope and kiss her without her consent. The girl was able to provide enough information that he was arrested Tuesday. Police are asking any other potential victims to come forward. The RCMP Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is looking into the sudden death of a baby in New Westminster. Officers were called to a home in the 1300 block of 5th Avenue just after 4 a.m. on Saturday, July 24th because of an unresponsive one-year-old infant. New Westminster Police completed an assessment and called in IHIT to investigate. Homicide detectives are now speaking with the family and friends to determine what led up to the tragedy, Local support services have been engaged. No names or further details will be released. Vancouver police are asking for your help solving a random attack on Granville Street earlier this month. Police say it happened July 11th, about 3 o'clock in the morning. A man was confronted by a group of strangers and pushed to the ground. Others help him up and they continue on down the street. Then the man is pushed across the street and into a laneway where police say his wallet was stolen. Police are looking for three suspects. They say in the past two weeks, there have been 17 random assaults in the city. RCMP have also just released an image of a vehicle believed to be linked to a vicious assault on a homeless man in Nanaimo. Charles Salter was attacked the evening of July 10th near the intersection of Victoria Avenue and 102 Street. Salter has been or had been bear-sprayed, run over by a car, then left to suffer at the side of the road. He is still being treated in Nanaimo Hospital for serious injuries. Police released this blurry picture of the suspect vehicle. They say it left the scene shortly after the attack and turned onto Victoria Street. If you have any information about the suspects, you're being asked to contact the Nanaimo RCMP. The Delta Police Board has issued a statement in response to a city councilor's motion looking for more answers into what happened behind the scenes at the Delta PD while it responded to a scandal involving the chief's wife. But it doesn't actually address the councilor's questions. Councilor Lois Jackson put forward a motion at Monday night's council meeting demanding more information on the disclosure of invoices from public relations firm Navigator. A PR and crisis management firm hired to coach Chief Neil DuBord and other members of the force while DuBord's wife was under criminal investigation. Lorraine DuBord is accused of spraying Surrey resident Kieran Sidhu with a hose outside the couple's beachfront property last year. Now the statement from the Delta Police Board says, in part, councils do not and are not able to direct the administration or operations of a police department. Council's role in relation to the Delta Police Department is solely to, one, provide the required funding for the department, and two, identify local priorities, goals, and objectives which the DPD takes into account when developing its strategic plan. All right, to the wildfire uh, situation. There are currently 242 wildfires burning in this province. 36 of those are fires of note, and 92 are considered out of control, including the Incomeep wildfire in the South Okanagan. Tonight, a heartbreaking story coming out of that area. Globals Darian Matassa Fung spoke with residents who lost their home and everything in it to the wildfire.
12: I feel lost. This is everything.
1: A South Okanagan couple is reeling
4: after their home was lost in the Incomeep Creek wildfire. Rick Young and Ray Hall had to leave their home with the wildfire roaring towards them. It was incredibly quick. It's faster than I would have ever expected it to ever go. The couple says they had no notice. At first, they thought the fire was still a ways away from their location on a backcountry road between Asuyus and Oliver. Within minutes, the fire had completely engulfed the entire campground. I had
9: no time to pack anything, had no notice to pack anything. So I just grabbed the dog, my purse, and left.
4: Young tried to save his home. He started his water pump and started to douse the property. Unfortunately, it was too little too late as the wildfire was spreading
12: fast. It was like a matter of five minutes from what I've seen of the flames over there thinking I could do something until stuff was on fire
4: right here. The couple had lived in their home for the last two years. Young is a retired carpenter who does odd jobs for others in the community. His workshop was also destroyed along with all of his possessions. Joe Louie, the landowner, was also on site when his campground was ablaze.
2: It was moving probably about, uh, I'd have to say, 50 yards every 10 seconds, if that. It was moving fast.
4: What's next for Young and Hall? They say they will rebuild. Material things are just that, material possessions. But the loss of photos, heirlooms, and collectibles is hard to swallow. Not only was most of the property destroyed by the fire, five animals were lost on the property as well. Four pigs and one rooster. Darian Matassa, Global News.
1: Just ahead, fearing the fourth wave, a new poll shows how Canadians feel about rising infections We try to get back to normal. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh in Kamloops, what he says about his visit to the former residential school site.
8: Lining up at the Lionsgate Bridge, east and westbound along Marine Drive is heavy from Taylor Way and from Capilano. It's really, really bad from each direction to get into downtown. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. In Global One, I'm Tim
7: May.
1: An historic announcement today from the BC government, seen by many, obviously that is the wrong graphic, there we go, seen by many as a crucial step in the reconciliation process.
11: For the first time in, in its history, The B.C. government is proclaiming August 1st as Emancipation Day.
1: Parliamentary Secretary for Anti-Racism Initiatives, Rachna Singh, proclaiming B.C.'s first ever Emancipation Day to commemorate the abolishment of slavery in the British Empire in 1834. Many Canadians aren't aware that before that, there were thousands of slaves in this country, almost all of them aboriginal and black.
9: Although the community
11: has been here for more than 150 years, the experience of Black British Columbians continues to be marginalized. Their histories and contributions to this
7: province little known or celebrated. This is a very significant moment for Black history and for civil rights in British Columbia. It's important to teach the truth so we understand our history and that we acknowledge the systemic racism of our past and our present and how trauma and socioeconomic issues and struggles are so easily passed down through generations.
1: Leaders in the black community say B.C. has a long way to go to address systemic racism, but the proclamation is a sign of a commitment that the province can do better, including teaching the next generation about African-Canadian history and the shameful parts of Canada's past. Federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, in the midst of a tour of Indigenous communities, stopped in Kamloops today. This morning, he met with the Kamloops to Shipwetmek Council, calling for the federal government to fulfill its pledge and follow through on all calls to action by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Our reporters from CFJC News. I'm struck by how hard it is to
2: be here. A lot harder than I thought it would be.
9: It has been more than two months since 215 unmarked graves were found near the former Kamloops Residential School. Thursday, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was the first federal party leader to visit since the discovery.
5: They wanted to just come and meet with us and kind of just get some updates as to where we're at and you know looking at ways how to
9: um, uh, politically advocate and support us and mostly just to listen to us and what we're looking for. Singh is urging the government to fulfill its pledge to calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. He says it's Canada's responsibility to provide the funding necessary for the healing and trauma.
10: It's
5: really, really critical, you know, that that we invite uh, all Canadians
9: and British Columbians to to join and echo that call for justice. Indigenous people continue to suffer as more remains are discovered all over Canada. Jagmeet Singh says there needs to be more than an acknowledgement and an apology to reconcile. There needs to be action.
2: There is a reason why disproportionately Indigenous people are are faced with poverty or faced with homelessness they are they are the survivors of such immense trauma and so I met with a number of Indigenous community organizations that are calling for a for-Indigenous, by-Indigenous housing strategy, particularly in urban centres.
9: The NDP leader is also calling for clean drinking water for all Indigenous communities and to ensure every Indigenous child is brought home. It
5: also kind of you know, reiterated the importance of you know our asks from the, the federal
9: government. The visit gave survivors and the community optimism about the future the individuals that he did get to meet with, felt a, a bit of a sense of hope to carry that voice. Amanda Lina Leterio, CFJC News.
1: And in Health Matters tonight, if you're worried about the return to normal post-COVID, you are definitely not alone. As Global Suling Go reports, a recent national survey shows many Canadians are feeling anxious.
13: Rob Berry says he didn't sleep last night, knowing Alberta soon won't require COVID-positive people to quarantine.
8: To be honest, I'm very frightened. Very frightened. I just, I'm, my biggest concern is bringing it home to my kid.
13: His daughter, Hazel, was born very premature. She spent four months fighting for her life in the ICU and still has lung issues. She's too young to be vaccinated.
8: I get people wanting to get out and back to life, but this effectively tethers my child to her house.
13: Psychologist Kim Kanal has seen an increase in clients with anxiety about returning to normal life, including some with post-traumatic stress. Usually what we find with PTSD is that if there's been trauma in a person's history, they're more likely to experience an event negatively. She says after a year and a half of restrictions, getting used to nearly none won't happen quickly. Some people are nervous about being the only one wearing a mask, being in crowds, going back to work, or disappointing loved ones who want to visit. Her advice is to control what you can. Because we are only in control of ourselves. We're not in control of other people and we're not in control of the pandemic. And so, you know, take care of yourself. Do what you need to do. Pace yourself. Do what you're comfortable with rather than what others think you should do. Set boundaries with people and be honest about them.
8: We had to have a real frank discussion about that
13: Rob has managed to resist the pressure to socialize but he also worries about what his girls are missing he says what helps is focusing on the positive going for walks and supportive friends
8: it's been kind of isolating for our family but at the same time hearing some people reach out has been really reassuring
0: Uh,
1: still ahead fashion with a purpose this is how it all started a White Rock woman goes back to her roots, inspiring a whole new generation to reach their potential too. Also tonight in sports, beyond the baseball basics, a little league coach teaching life lessons too. You're watching Global News Hour at six. Yes, the heat wave is once again upon us. Not. Quite as bad as the heat dome, but still uncomfortable if you can't find shade or a way to cool down. Christy's got the details for us now.
10: That's right. So it's not as bad because it's not as long. Really, we're looking at the peak of the heat for only three days, Chris, and we're not breaking any records, just to give you a perspective compared to that heat dome that we dealt with. Uh, here's a look, though, at how hot it got today. So in Metro Vancouver, only 25 degrees, but we have so much humidity around that it felt like 30. And in Meadows, 32 degrees, and it felt like 35. So that's pretty hot for this area, that's for sure. Tomorrow, you can bump these numbers up another couple of degrees, so away from the water, it will be feeling like the high 30s and near the waters, water uh, about mid 30s. Now in the interior tomorrow, there's a chance we could see some areas approach 40, but they're going to see so much smoke tomorrow that a lot of those areas won't warm up to the potential that would be if we didn't have that smoke. This is a current situation right now. It is thick in through many regions in the Columbia, the Kootenai, and certainly in areas like the Thompson and Okanagan, and that will be the case again tomorrow. When we have a stagnant pattern like this, we're not able to blow any of that smoke. So what it does, and you can see how dark the uh, forecast is for tomorrow, dark those circles are, and that's because the concentration of that smoke will be so high in those areas. So we're talking about very smoky, difficult conditions in those regions, whereas we're very lucky here across the West Coast, although there is a chance now that we could see some haze in our region on Saturday. Across the North, mainly sunny in these regions, hot as well, and through those Northern regions and these areas that you see cloud, that's those those are the areas that have widespread smoke in the forecast for tomorrow. South Coast, I'm expecting hot, sunny conditions, although Saturday we could see a bit of haze. And as well, Saturday and Sunday, we are going to see a little bit more cloud cover, and we're expecting rain in through the interior regions on Sunday still. So we'll be tracking that closely as we head throughout the weekend. Tonight's Central Windows weather window, a gorgeous one from Tewasin with a hummingbird in um I don't know the name of this, this beautiful flower, but uh, mm. thank you so much, Robert, for capturing that moment for us.
1: Mid-flight. Beautiful. Thank you very much for that, Christy. All right, people getting their COVID-19 vaccines today in trail got a little something extra for the effort. That was way for getting lost. St. John Ambulance therapy dog Nova is helping alleviate the stress of getting that vaccine needle. She's a 10-year-old Belgian shepherd proving very good at helping calm people who fear getting the shot. It's the first time Nova has been deployed to a vaccine clinic. Research shows just a few minutes of petting goes a long way to help soothe those jangled nerves. And judging by the reaction there, Nova was a welcome sight. It was way better. Like first time I I almost passed
5: out, Um, so this time I barely felt it.
10: Uh, I was delighted to see her here. I love dogs, so to walk into a place that was prepared for people with (laughs) needle phobias or little things like that, it was lovely to see her.
1: Clinic organizers are calling Nova's presence at that clinic a success. You can sure see why. All right, Squire joins us now with a look ahead to... uh Sports. I was going to say, when you got your shot, could you feel it? Actually, it went in. No, I could feel it two days later. Like, yeah, I got but I'm saying at Tyson. the moment,
12: the, the person who did mine, it was like, yeah. Did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Really?
1: Really good. Experts.
12: Okay. Good. Uh, the uh, Seattle Seahawks are speaking of COVID, tackling COVID at their training camp. Ooh, we're, we're deep into into fighting to get this thing done in, in the very best way possible. They're doing extra testing. They're having almost every player vaccinated. That's uh, two of the big reasons the
1: Seahawks are COVID-free right now. Also tonight, a local designer finding inspiration in her unique family history in Ghana and finding ways to give back there, too. I don't know if you have a step counter on your wrist, but you, you tend to get a lot of steps in a day.
12: A- I do, actually. This is a very good exercise. Having my office as far away from the studio as possible is very good exercise for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the first time since 1992, our women's rowing eights team has won a gold medal at the Olympics. just happened a little while ago, it's an event that has given Canada a lot of medals over the years. They beat the world champion New Zealand boat this year for top of the podium, and Canada took the lead right from the start. And stayed in first all the way. And there are four BC women on that team. Lisa Roman, Andrea Prosky, Madison Maley, and Avalon Wastanese. Good job by our women. And once again, our women are winning all the medals. Uh, in fact, last night, Kaylee Filmer of Victoria, Hillary Janssens of Cloverdale. They finished third in the women's rowing pair. So I think we have 11 medals now. Okay, last year the Seattle Seahawks did not have a COVID case, despite it roaring around the NFL. And so far in the opening week of training camp, their streak is intact. This is a really big deal. We came back to camp and everybody tested negative coming in the first two days. we got to make a couple more days. We're, we're going to test every day for the first five days here, um, basically to make sure that the return didn't catch anybody. 90 of Seattle's 91 players in camp have at least one vaccination. Now, the NFL says fully vaccinated players only need a COVID test once every two weeks, but Seattle is testing them more often than that. Personally, I think the one once every 14 days is not enough, and we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. That's not enough. Uh, we need to look after these guys. And really, it's 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 shifted in the last... I mean, it, that would have been fine two weeks ago. But things have shifted, and we have to respond. I hear people griping about, you know, that we're going back to masks and stuff. Well, that's because things changed. I mean, we just respond to what's going on, and, and uh, we're, we're doing the same thing. Canada's Joey Votto is on some kind of a home a run streak. Home run. Six straight games with homers. He has eight. He hit one again today. First player in Reds history, as you can see there, with home runs in six consecutive games. The MLB record is eight. This guy is just mashing. And he's not a young man anymore. Good job, Joey Votto. Look at this trade in the NBA. Big one. Russell Westbrook goes to the L.A. Lakers. I guess they want three superstars. Now they have them. Davis, LeBron, and Russell Westbrook. A whole bunch of players in the draft pick went to Washington. And the NBA draft was tonight. The Toronto Raptors selected small forward. My new favorite player in the uh, NBA, Scotty Barnes, fourth overall. Uh, the real strength for Scotty is defending, something a lot of players have to be taught to do when they get to the NBA, but apparently Barnes is considered ready to go as a good defender in the NBA. The uh, Ritz Little League team out of Victoria has never won a BC Little League title, but that could change tomorrow night at 6 when they play the championship game in Wally. It would be quite the exit for Le Ritz Head coach Dave Potter, who is leaving the program after 15 years at the helm. All right, boys. Hey, it's our day, right? Today's our day. We're ready to go. We're going to take it to
0: them. For Dave Potter, there is no such thing as a bad day on the baseball field. He's been the coaching face of Layritz Little League in Victoria for about the last 15 years. Like many parents, he started coaching his kids. But even once his kids moved on to older age groups, Potter stayed with the 11 and 12 year olds.
12: For lack of a better term, there's still a fear factor of the coach where you've got to do what coaches coach is doing. They haven't got a total amount of cockiness and attitude yet. They're just great kids at that age. Um, and you, you're, you're trying to, you know, mold them into being good people or maybe what I think is good people.
2: You guys ready? Yeah! yeah. You guys ready? Yeah. yeah! You guys ready? Yeah! One, two, three! Run. One! Two, three! Ever! One, two, three. Ever. One, two,
0: three. Yes, baseball teaches life lessons, and as we all know, most of them don't come easy. Coach Dave won't tell you what you want to hear. It's more what you need to hear.
2: He never hands out anything for free. You have to work for everything. Because I need someone who's honest with me and, like, helps what I need to fix.
12: If I'm going to tell you it was a good job or a nice try, you know, put in the effort and show me it was. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You'll get it, You'll get the next one. But, you know, if you're just going to give a half an effort, I'm, I'm going to call you on it. And sorry, but, you know, get him ready for life.
0: Potter thought he had a perfect way to end his time with the Leyritz Little Leaguers. They were scheduled to host the 2020 Canadian Championship, but it's been postponed twice now because of COVID. Potter started as a Little League coach with his sons Mike and Jacob, and now all these years later, Mike, now 25, was to be his assistant coach on their home field as they hosted Nationals for the first time.
12: But it wasn't to be. Nice bookend, he would have been uh, an assistant coach for me, so that would have been a a great personal, um, um,
0: it hurts. He didn't get the perfect ending, but it's been a special journey. He'll move on next season to coach the Premier League Victoria Eagles AAA Bantam squad. He's prepared the kids for the next level. Now he's going to one himself.
12: For me, just seeing a big smile on a kid's face after they do something they haven't done before—that's well the thanks.
2: Three cheers for Langley! Hey! hey! Two for the upset! Hey! Two for us! Well, hey!
12: Hey! Uh, there's Barnes's all over the sports cast. <laughs> me, Scotty Barnes—that kid had Barnes on his back. It's true, we're well, everywhere, folks.
1: That's success, and good luck to Coach Cotter, uh, Coach Potter. Sorry. From Ghana to White Rock and back again, a local designer infusing her fashion with cultures from two countries. Next.
2: This is BC with Jay Durant. Brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider.
1: A White Rock woman's family roots in Ghana have not only inspired her own clothing line, they've inspired her to help others back in the city where her father was born and raised. In tonight's This is BC, Jay Durant looks at the former basketball star's drive to improve lives. This is how it all started. This is
5: the first shirt of the collection that I ever made.
1: When Nashika brought this one shirt back
8: to Vancouver after a student exchange trip to Ghana, the response was overwhelming. When
5: I came back to Canada for Christmas break, I wore the shirt and a lot of women were giving me compliments. So that's what gave me the idea.
8: And that's when her clothing line was born, a business that now employs several tailors in Ghana at her sewing shop near the capital city of Accra.
5: These two symbols, this one is a Fina, this is like a warrior sign, and this one I don't know how to pronounce it, but it just means like strength.
8: Experiencing life in the community where her father Charlie was born and raised has changed her life. He died of cancer in 2009, but Nashika's connection to his home country keeps growing. Seeing the education system firsthand has had a huge
5: impact on her. Some of the schools didn't have a single book which just amazes me is how kids were learning without books. Checking out how many books we're getting ready to bring to Ghana.
8: So with help from the Surrey School District, Nashika assembled boxes full of books and shipped it off to build the first library.
5: From one community to the next, that's what we're doing.
8: She hopes to send two more pallets by
5: the end of the year. The teacher told me that they have this like superstar student and I got to meet her and she came in and apparently she reads a single book every day, which is so cool to hear.
8: She was a star player at Douglas College, prompting the nickname Nash, after Steve Nash, of course. And she played for the Ghana national team during qualifications for the 2012 London Olympics. How did you guys do?
5: Uh, not good. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. The team did not, did not do good
8: at all. That's OK, because her other contributions have meant so much more. Thank you, Stuart Her dad would be very proud.
5: I feel like this definitely keeps me connected to my dad for sure. Um, you know, just like the, the the culture, the heritage and, you know, the people. And I just, when I'm walking in the streets in Ghana, I really just see, you know, my dad everywhere around, which is really cool.
0: <laughs>
1: Jay Durant, Global News. Love to see those smiling faces. All right, if you have an idea for Jay Email him at at thisisbc@globalnews.ca, and make sure you tune in for the half hour This Is BC special, which is airing this weekend on BC One. Lots of good stories there. All right. uh, The story and the weather is heat. What's the last word here, Christy?
10: Well, we're expecting potentially 30 degrees, even in Metro Vancouver, uh, 35 out through the Fraser Valley. Don't forget that that humidity will make it feel even hotter. So make sure you're really looking after yourself. A cold bath. If you get too hot, it really cools you down.
1: Great advice. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone.